Hello, welcome to Free Will Science and Religion. I'm Chandler Klebs, and I have another audio clip to play from a conversation recorded through Uvu by George Ortega and I about the difference between fundamental versus pragmatic responsibility. No one's fundamentally responsible in being the first cause of what they think, say, feel, or do, but they can assume responsibility, take responsibility, and pretend they're responsible just to get things done in society. It's a social construct, and that's how I view it. Um, but hopefully, after you listen to George and I explain it, you'll understand that the word responsibility has different meanings, and the fundamental responsibility is the type that doesn't exist. So um, I hope you enjoy the episode. All right. So, all right. So we're talking about responsibility and free will. Now, the idea is that some people mistakenly believe that if we get rid of this mistaken notion of free will, we can no longer have morality. We can no longer have responsibility. So now that that's just a mistaken conception, because like the idea is like one of the reasons we maintain responsibility is because it's it's actually because we don't have a free will. In other words, because we don't have a free will, we're programmed to respond to reward and punishment. You know, and that's how our, our basic pro programming. Threats of punishment motivate us to not do certain things. Um, promises of reward motivate us to do various things. And that's that's where our responsibility then is based on. It's based on the understanding that, like, you know, if we do certain things, it's going to lead to, like, society punishing us or, our, 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 you know, ourselves punishing ourselves in, in a sense, less so than we would with the free will belief. But, you know, that's one, one way of understanding how, no, you get rid of the free will belief, you don't have to get rid of either morality or responsibility. In fact, you, you make morality more moral and you make responsibility more effective. Yeah, I think this goes back to what you've said in many of your episodes of your TV show where you, um, you talk about pragmatic versus fundamental responsibility. And I think that's important here. Because I remember in our last conversation, you said something about how it's the responsibility of the politicians to to explain that, that we don't have a free will and to use this for solutions in the obesity epidemic. And, and it's interesting because people will hear you say that where it's the responsibility of the politicians while understanding that we're saying, well, no one's really responsible for anything. Nobody has a free will due to causality or, or a causality. So I think we have some clarifying to do. <laughs> so how do we go about this? Absolutely. So, all right, so Chandler, explain to the audience what the difference is between we have to coin a term. We have to coin a term pragmatic responsibility to make that distinction. Why don't you explain to the audience the difference between the two? Okay. Now, now fundamental responsibility is the kind of responsibility that we're saying is a complete illusion because free will is an illusion. The idea that somebody is responsible for their thoughts, their beliefs, intentions, and actions that result from those because nobody's the first cause. And I explain it in terms of nobody is a self-caused little god that chooses their genetics and conditioning and all that. So nobody can take credit or blame for where they were born, who their parents were, what they were taught, their their preferences in food, all those sort of things. So we made the case already that that's a complete illusion because nobody's responsible for any of that. 
But then the other responsibility, what we call pragmatic um, responsibility, or Jamie Soden has called physical responsibility, um, where something is is a, is a proximate cause of something, that's more, let's say it's a, it's a social construct is how I personally like think of it. Like we have a system where when somebody um, breaks the law, in like an illegal system, or it, it, in in social systems anyway, even with even without legality, there's a certain thing. When somebody does something that people like, they reward them. And when they do something they don't like, they punish them. And I believe that although the reason that this often occurs is because people believe in free will, the 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 reason why pragmatic um, responsibility is called pragmatic is that rewarding people causes them to do more of the behavior that if they know they're going to get rewarded for it that that you know that will psychologically cause them to do more of it and when they're punished for something well for some people that deters them from doing that again and for some people no it doesn't it's sort of like Sam Harris said, if we made sneezing illegal, the people would still be lawbreakers no matter how severe the consequences. So there is a difference between those things from which people can be deterred from through punishment or things which can be increased through reward. So we're being pragmatic. We're talking about what makes people do things differently as opposed to saying that they are the self-causer of what they do. Because if they're the self-causer, the reward and punishment are irrelevant. So, George, here's what I'm getting at. Fundamental responsibility and pragmatic responsibility are in conflict. They can't both exist at the same time. So what do you think of that? Well, certainly. No, absolutely. Like you were saying, pragmatic responsibility is a construct. It's kind of like taking the word responsibility and giving it a different connotation. You know, the way we ordinarily use the word for responsibility, we're actually kind of like referring to a free will belief-based fundamental responsibility. You did this of your own free will, or you have a free will, so you're fundamentally responsible for what we do, what you do. Now, one way to understand why we don't have this fundamental kind of responsibility is, for example, let's say we're a scientist and we build a robot, and then we program the robot. Okay, now, like, the robot goes out and, you know, escapes from the lab, goes out and, you know, does something, commits some crime or whatever, right? We can't hold that robot fundamentally responsible for what it did because it doesn't have a free will. We created it. We programmed it. If anything, it's our responsibility. It's not fundamental because we didn't create it ourselves, just like the robot didn't. But, right, so that's one type. So, like, you know, but... The, the other type, that's fundamental, so we don't have that kind of responsibility. The other type is pragmatic, is like we apply this to ourselves. Fine, we, um, we do things in our life. We do positive things, we do negative things. We recognize that because we didn't create ourselves and because we're a product of our heredity and our environment, we actually don't have fundamental responsibility, but again, because we respond well to reward and punishment, we quote-unquote assume 
pragmatic responsibility. So pragmatic responsibility is kind of like a way of saying, well, even though we're not fundamentally responsible for anything, we still have to uphold morality, you know, laws, rules and stuff. We have to kind of like, we have to build a society and we have to like uh, behave personally according to consequences. We know that like we do certain acts, that's going to benefit us and, and society. If we do other acts, it's going to like be a detriment to us and society. So that's the pragmatic responsibility that it doesn't, um, it doesn't change. Now Chandler, explain though the difference between pragmatic responsibility and fundamental in terms of how we actually treat other people and how we treat ourselves. Well, um, for one thing, when we view other people as fundamentally responsible, well, then we view them as being the sole cause of whatever it is that they're doing that we don't like, for example. And it's kind of bizarre because there seems to be an imbalance between we tend to punish people more than we reward people. Like, we don't praise people as much when they do good things, but we sure pu punish them long-term when they do bad. So that's that seems to be another psychological problem. But here's the deal. If we understand that they are a product of their environment and genetics like everyone is, just even like the robot is, it's programmed to be a certain way, then we think, well... Why are they programmed to be this way? Why has the universe compelled them to be this way? So, so we ask them, so, well, why did you do this? And, and there's a difference in how we say it. Even voice tone can make a difference. Like, there's a difference be, between saying, okay, so, well, why did you do this, this way, you know? And they, it can answer if we, if we say it calmly. But if we say, why did you do this? You know, and get all mean, that's the way free will believers act. See, that's the, that's the tricky distinction there. And it's like, oh, you're a bad sinner going to hell. And, and you know, I've been around people like that all my life. So that's the difference. And that's why even though I have great concern, you know, you know, I, I want everyone to go vegan. I want people to stop hoarding their children, but I want to make sure that I do it with the sense like, look, I know you're not fundamentally responsible for what you do, but can, is there anything I can do that would encourage you to take a less harmful action that causes less pain, you know? So there's a difference in that. Like, as we move from, imposing fundamental, mistaken fundamental responsibility on others and ourselves as we move from that to basically imposing pragmatic responsibility, the way we treat others and ourselves becomes much more understanding and compassionate. Now, I just want to, like, explain, you know, again, the the mistake of, of fundamental responsibility. For example, let's say, let's say you drive to your pharmacy and you pick up a medita medication, you take it, and uh, it's a, let's say it's a fast-acting medication. But let's say you went in for some kind of a back pain relief medication. For some reason, a computer or something gets it wrong. You're given the wrong medication, right? So then like half an hour after you leave this pharmacy, all of a sudden, you know, you're actually driving 20 miles below, 30 miles below the speed limit on a highway, potentially dangerous situation. So, you know, you're pulled over. You know, and then like, then you're, you'd be, let's say you're before a judge. Now, if the judge and the police officer and everyone knows that it wasn't your mistake, that like you actually thought you were taking the right medication and all, and it really wasn't your fault, then, you know, that, that, 
kind of like leads to a different treatment than if you were willfully, you know, quote unquote, driving much slower than the speed limit. So like naturally the idea is like we can't really, quote unquote, blame a person for something that's not in their control. Now in this instance, it doesn't seem like there'd be much of a, um, a punishment that would be warranted. In other instances, you know, for example, like if somebody goes into a, a store and let's say, you know, steal something or, or something like that, even though we're not fundamentally responsible in order to deter crime and all, in order to, to help the person understand that that's wrong, we still have to impose some kind of penalty, you know. But as you were saying, like the difference between like labeling, labeling a person as a sinner, as evil, as irresponsible, and and labeling them as somebody who's misfortunate and having fate cause them to do that, we're not going to let them off the hook completely, but the way we treat them is going to be much more compassionate, much more humane, much more intelligent, and that will both lead to their not repeating it, because they're not going to see themselves as a bad person. If, if we're saying to them, listen, you know, it's not really fundamentally your fault, you don't have fundamental responsibility, they will see that, they will label themselves, you know, as, as a victim to this unfortunate fate, and that'll make the rehabilitation process much, much easier and more effective. Yes. Um, and like, for example, the medication thing, in that, in that case, um, somebody going below the speed limit and da- driving dangerously, since it was no, if it's known that it was caused by the medication, then rather than sending the person to jail, you do something about that medication. You know, you either change the medication or make sure they're not driving while they're taking that medication or something. So by knowing the correct cause of, of something, that helps you know what the best action is that keeps everyone safe and happy. Because, George, here's the deal. Is, there's two sides of it. Now, first, it's understanding that we don't have a, a free will. Whether it's causality or a causality, both cancel out. But knowing the causes is what's helpful. So I'm very pro-determinism and, and very anti-indeterminism because I feel like um, if people are like, oh, well, it's all just random, that does not help us make a better wor- world. So what I'm saying is that for even – like, for example, there is a difference between even fundamental or pragmatic a-causality, even though I don't believe in a-causality because I think that's that's just insane, you know. But it's still, it's still pragmatic to assume determinism – even if there was such a thing as a causal events, because unless you're looking for causes, then you can't find solutions by eliminating the causes of harmful acts. Okay, and Chandler, just for the audience's sake, you're basically describing or explaining why we don't have a free will, why we don't have fundamental responsibility. So let's just go through that in a bit more detail. If our world is determined or caused, and determinism, you know, like, it's kind of like, Determinism requires causality. The the main difference between determinism and causality is that determinism suggests that because everything is caused, we can therefore predict the future and know the past. Okay, now, because of a lack of information, because of perhaps lack, lack of even physical laws that prevent that, we don't have access to that information, but that, that does not in any way mean that our actions, that the world is not caused, all right? Because, like, you know, everything has a cause. Again, like, to posit 
that you can do something without it having been caused is actually like positing that the universe didn't exist before you did whatever you did. Because the reason for that is like we can explain causality as the universe evolving moment by moment, state by state, one state of the universe causing the next, you know, starting with the Big Bang and ending up with right now. And so obviously behind any act we do, there had to have been a state of the universe which caused it. Now, again, you were talking about a causality. Some people claim that, oh, my God, that, you know, some people, that, that some events may not have a cause. As incoherent and mistaken as that notion is, that still doesn't give us free will. Because if you're doing something and you're not the cause of what you're doing, you know, how can you, how can you be fundamentally responsible for what you're not causing? Yes, let me clarify and reiterate what you said, basically. For, like, I want everyone to understand, when I say determinism, I, I mean literally, basically what I read, and I think it was Merriam-Webster, the, you know, the idea that every event that happens has a cause. And the alternative to that would be indeterminism, that then that means that some events do not have a cause. But I'm going to just... Quickly go over why both of these don't allow for free will. Because if everything is caused, then everything you think has a cause of something else that caused you to think that. And that has a cause. Because everything has a cause, and it goes back before you were born, before you were conceived, before your parents met, before anything, any close to related to you at all. So that's why people get the determinism cancel out free will. What a lot of people are mistaken about is they think that, oh, well, there's randomness, and that gives you the ability to make free choices. What it gives, what it gives you is freedom from causality if there was such a thing as uncaused events. But it does not make you responsible for what happens because if it has no cause, then you're not the cause of it either. So there's no way to make free will a coherent concept. And that's why you know, we're, both you and I are determinists, but I can pull out indeterminism or a causality anytime anyone wants and says that doesn't give you free will. <laughs> All right, so yeah, so now we understand why both causality, determinism, and things being not cause or being a causal just make free will impossible. And that's why we don't have fundamental responsibility. We didn't create ourselves, we didn't program ourselves with our genetic you know, programs with our environmental learning. I mean, like, our personality is shaped within the first five years of our life, and our personality determines the kinds of decisions, the kind of person we're going to be as an adult, the, the way we'll relate to the world. And those first five years are just not in our control. We're kind of, like, both programmed by our genes and by our parents. So, again, the reason why it's so important to understand the difference between pragmatic responsibility and fundamental responsibility is as we move away from this very harmful belief in free will, and maybe we should go into that next, we can actually, you know, we, we maintain our sense of responsibility. It's pragmatic responsibility. We know, we all know that, that fundamentally nothing is up to any of us, but because of that, you know, we, we are more compassionate toward others, toward ourselves, we're more understanding. And as you were saying before, the free will belief just encourages us to like, to conclude, well, you know, this person did something of their free will, and it's because they're just evil, you know, or they're just wrong, they're just immoral. And the exploration often stops there. Whereas, like, when you understand that they're not fundamentally responsible, then you ask yourself, 
why did they act that way? Maybe they were treated in, in a certain way as a, as a kid. Maybe they had misinformation. And this is helpful for us going forward in creating, you know, a better society that, that teaches us better right from wrong. Yeah, George, that word just, like, oh, they just chose to be that way because they're just evil. They're just that way. See, the word just, that that's not, it's irrational to say someone's just that way. Why are they that way? There's always a reason or a cause behind why they're that way. Of course, some people disagree. The indeterminists will disagree with that. But it's it of no help to us to just say, oh, they're just evil. Well, oh, okay, well, why are they evil? Uh, they chose to be evil. Well, why did they choose to be evil? Because they're evil. You, you see that it's it's basically a problem there that you can't go. There's no point at which they made a decision to be evil. Absolutely. So I think, now let's, yeah, I think let's, that will explain it. Yeah, so let's explain now why this helps us in our everyday world. We have a good friend, our best friend. For some reason, they lie to us. You know, they, they, they tell us something that's, that's false, okay? Now, under this free will belief, when we're attributing fundamental responsibility to that lie, for that lie to them, we're thinking to ourselves, oh, my God, you know, they, they did something wrong. They deserve to be punished. So we're going to try to get them back. We're going to, like, hope that they get punished in some way. And this results from this free will belief-based, you know, sense of accusation, sense of, like, fundamental responsibility. Okay, so like we now understand that that person, they lied, they did something wrong, but they were compelled. It wasn't up to them. You know, whatever forces, whatever happened made them do that. They're not fundamentally responsible, so we still have to address it. You know, we address, you know, maybe confronting them, maybe, you know, taking some other kind of action. It might actually involve a certain amount of punishment. Maybe we don't want to talk with them for a day or two, whatever, just like, you know, as as an encouragement, as a motivation for them to act better in the future. But the idea is, like, when we attribute free will, belief, and fundamental moral responsibility, there is, like, this element of hostility and vengeance and wanting them to suffer that that is absent when we understand that oh my god they did what they did it was wrong but it really wasn't fundamentally up to them and george i want to go with that lying example because isn't it true that for a lot of people the reason they lie is to get out of trouble to avoid being punished isn't that the case chandler that's a brilliant point that's a brilliant point explain that in more detail how like overcoming this free will belief will actually lead to people lying less, trying to, like, defend themselves less in that way. Yes, because a lot of people, the the reason they lie and say they didn't do something that they did or lie about a situation is so that they won't be punished. And so it makes no sense to punish people when they lie like that because that just encourages them, well, I better get better at lying and lie more and more so that I won't be caught and and prevent being punished because people are always functioning under the hedonic imperative of seeking pleasure and avoiding pain. So what we want to do is we want to reward honest behavior. Rather than punishing dishonesty, we want to reward people for being honest. And 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 so by recreating a a less judgmental culture, which automatically flows when you understand nobody's fundamentally responsible, nobody has a free will. So if people know they can come out and be honest about how they feel 
without being without being yelled at, without being punished for it, that encourages honesty and reduces lying. You know, and I think that's a very good thing. And Sam Harris would agree. He wrote a whole book on it. <laughs> and Chandler, I mean, we can apply this. We can move this from the personal domain to the societal domain in terms of our criminal justice system. We spend a lot of money determining whether a person did something or not to then determine the, the, the penalty and the punishment and all. Now, here's the thing. Um, we kind of, they did a study some time ago. They, they primed this, uh, half the group to believe that they, that they had a free will. Then they primed the other half of the group to understand that nobody has a free will. Then they asked these two groups to weigh in on what the punishment should be for a certain crime that was committed by an individual. Okay, the free will believers um, concluded that the person should be punished twice as severely, twice as harshly as the people who understood that fundamentally it really wasn't up to them. Now, how does this play out in, in the real world? Like, if, if you're faced, let's say you're faced with a crime that under this free will belief, you know, society deems that you should be, like, in, in prison for 20 years or something, right? And, I mean, it's understandable. You're going to, like, really, like, not want to, you know, endure that. You're going to, like, lie as much as, as, as you need to to be, get out of that if you have to. I mean, like, you know, I mean, there's this even Fifth Amendment that, that, that actually gives you the right to not answer a question you feel is going to self-incriminate you. So, I mean, the law even understands this. So, like, as we move from this vengeance, this punitive sense of justice where we're going to like punish this person because out of their free will they did something wrong and we move to more like understandable it's like if you tell a criminal well you know what you did was wrong and so we you know we understand it wasn't fundamentally up to you but we have to deter crime and we have to help you re rehabilitate so like basically the punishment for this crime would be understandable reasonable compassionate even then I would imagine a lot of criminals would see the wisdom in that, see the, the correctness and the justice, and wouldn't resort to lying. And again, this lying costs our criminal justice system, you know, probably tens or if not hundreds of billions of dollars in terms of like the time it takes to determine the truth in a case. So this, this has implications far beyond our personal lives. Yeah. Because, you know, I, I do believe that would save a lot of time and a lot of money because if people felt less motivated to lie about their behavior because they were, you know, they lied to avoid being sent to prison for 20 years, for example, like you gave, then they'll just be honest and say, well, yeah, I did this thing wrong, you know, just be honest about it. And I think what will happen is people will actually be less mad at them, not only because they no longer believe in free will once everybody gets this, but also, well, if this person tells the truth, well, then you also don't get mad at them for lying because that actually makes people more mad in the long run because you lie to get out of trouble, but then other people are mad because you lied and that's something I learned early on in life is that honesty is the best policy because lying only makes things take longer and makes things complicated. Okay, Chandler, yeah, we've got a bit less than a minute left. So I think, you know, I think the audience now understands how, like, yes, because we don't have a free will, we don't have fundamental moral responsibility, but because we are actually programmed, hardwired to seek pleasure and avoid pain, 
this pragmatic responsibility and reward and punishment still make sense, so we will still uphold our, our laws, our rules, but they will be um, enacted and they will be exercised and understood in a much more compel- com- um, intelligent and compassionate manner. Okay, thanks for watching. Again, we'll be back to explore more ways why free will is an illusion and how it matters to your world and to the world in general. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed that episode. After you listen to that, hopefully you should be able to understand that while George and I are pragmatically responsible for what we said, because we said it, we're not fundamentally responsible for because of all the prior causes that led to us believing as we do and explaining things how we do. There's a difference between fundamental versus pragmatic responsibility, and it gets a little bit confusing but hopefully we clarified a few things. Thank you for listening to the podcast and goodbye.